It's quite weird sitting on the front row watching yourself. I don't actually listen back that much. And the editing process of these films is entirely with my friend, colleague, and others. And I wish them well. I'm told editing is overrated and takes a long time, but I'm grateful for the end result. Just watching that film, the, the idea, the reason for these films is we want to help people hear stories that point to Jesus. And we've been encouraged. The first film was released two weeks ago. The film you've just seen isn't released yet. It comes out later today, I believe. And uh, share it on Facebook or on Instagram or, or whichever world you move in and uh, see what conversations it stimulates. We've heard and received messages from people in places in the world where like, how did it end up there? But there's someone that's asking some questions about Jesus and that's, that's the goal, that's the prize. So we hope that helps. That's what the Glimpse films are all about and that's the second film of six that we're going to show you, not every week, um, but over the next couple of months. Anyway, before we jump in where we're going, I want to make a point to recognize someone very special to us, and that is Sean Leonard. Why don't you stand up where you are, Sean? You're, you're, you're clapping him. You're, you're, Sean, we're clapping you just for being Sean, because I've not told them anything about what you've done or who you are. We just like you that much. You can take a seat. Uh, Sean has been studying and working part-time for us uh, in the tech world for the last year, year and a half. Time's been weird the last couple of years. Uh, and tech is one of those areas where you don't notice it when it works, but you do when it doesn't. And more often than not, it has worked. Uh, he's finished his degree in communication and he's now seeking full-time employment. So his employment with us in a part-time capacity is, is ending. And uh, we wish you every blessing. And we're grateful for your contribution. Okay, so I'm going to do a continuation of last week where I asked the question, what happens next? Uh, for context, a couple of weeks ago was Easter, where we as Christians celebrate the risen Christ, where Jesus is alive. It's not, death is not the end of the story, and he's back, and he's saying some things to his disciples, his followers, the people that believe in him, saying some things, and often people talk about what were their last words. These are some of Jesus' last recorded words on earth to people that believe in him or that are following him or like most of us, trying our best to do so. What did he say? What happens next? Last week was a part one. This, in many ways, is the same, but slightly different. What happens next? As I was just looking over my notes this morning, I was preparing. I'm sat in my room. I've got a chair in the corner, which is my kind of quiet chair, where I go and hide and shut the door, which is a nice space. And next to my chair, there is an area that is a waiting area for my socks. Let me explain. Some of you will nod and will understand this. We're a family of four. Two of us organize our socks in one way, two in the other way. I'm in a camp where there is a waiting area, and when the socks come through the laundry, if they do not match, they go into the waiting area. 
It's a little bit like if you've ever flown into London. London airports are quite small but very busy. And there are holding patterns where there are planes in the air and they're waiting for your next. And then they land. The socks are in the holding area. They're flying over London Heathrow waiting for their moment for their friend to appear. And when they appear, they are joined together. And then and only then do they make it into the sock drawer. This is me. There are two others in our family. The socks, they just get thrown in the sock drawer. They don't match. They come out. They don't match. It's all good. They've got their shoes on. You can't see the socks anyway, right? And they live free. Uh, let's, let, let's see. Who, who's, who's with me? Oh, okay. All right. What happens next question relates to socks. Who, who, they've just thrown them in and they've put them on and they don't even match. Okay. We need each other. The world works. Uh, I know some people and they take this to a whole other level. The waiting area can only last so long. If the friend didn't appear after a while, they cut them off. And the other people are like, wait, you're throwing away a sock that's not got holes in? It's fine just because it's on its own? Yes. There is a period where the cull happens in the what happens next of where did those socks go? The mystery. What happens next? This is an important question in many areas of life, considerably more important than what happens next in regard to socks. What happens next in that Jesus is alive? And some people are absolutely amazed by that. Some people are confused. Some people are, I'm not, I don't get it. Did he really die? What's happening here? People are asking all sorts of questions. What happens next for the followers of Jesus? In some ways, this question is 2,000 years old. In many ways, it is as relevant today as it was then. We're still living in this period where we as people and we as the church are saying, what happens next? What, what do we do next? That's what I want us to look at. If you've got your Bible, turn to Mark 16, verse 9 to 18. This is the end of Mark's gospel. Jesus is risen, and he's speaking to his followers. And he says this. Mark 16, verse 9 to 18. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they didn't believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So, Jesus 
is appearing, is revealing himself, and some people are believing and some people are not believing. They're not convinced, which is kind of the world we live in today. And Jesus is rebuking them for their lack of faith. For some people we believe, but our faith is low. And Jesus is saying, come on, you can do better. You can do more. I believe in you. He's not angry. He's encouraging. He's not telling off. He's commissioning. He's empowering. He's saying, we believe in you. We celebrate you. You can do more. You can do better. And some people are getting it and some people aren't. Last week, I looked at a similar passage, and I said, if we just cook this down, Jesus is basically asking the followers of Jesus to do two things, to tell people about him, like Mary, go and tell the others, and then to the disciples, go and tell people, and then the second part of that is help people to to know Jesus and to grow in following him. Sometimes in church world, we talk about evangelism, which is telling people and discipleship. These words are loaded sometimes with helpful meaning and sometimes with meaning that maybe people go, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Simply put, tell people the good news of Jesus and help them follow him, help them know him. And this is not just a one-off experience, but this is a lifelong experience. It's that simple. The glimpse films are one way where some people find it helpful to share their faith and help people to know more about Jesus. I said this last week, I don't need or want you just to use the glimpse films. It's an option, like the Alpha course, or like any other way. I really don't mind how you do it. I don't think God is, convinc- is, is concerned about how you do it. He just wants you to do it. However you do it, doesn't matter. Just do it. I'm going to introduce Kate. Kate's going to tell a story about what this looks like in her world. And I forgot to tell you, but Luke, could you pass Kate your microphone, please? In fact, I'll turn it on while it's not in front of the speaker. This is Kate. Kate, tell us some of your experiences. Thank you so much. Uh, The date is November 1970. Now, we're talking over 50 years ago. And I had a wonderful, born-again, exciting adventure with my Jesus. I wanted to go on my roof and shout it to everyone. So instead of getting on my roof, I did that. I went out to friends, family, anyone I could tell about my Jesus. And as I started to grow and mature a little in the Lord... He told me that he was giving me a gift and a ministry. And to top it off, it had a title. So my title became a seed sower. This just ties right in with what you were talking about. I have been a seed sower for my Jesus for all of these years in many, many ways. And he has blessed me tremendously. And I started praying, and this has been my prayer, that there would be less of me, more of Jesus, and also that he would break my heart for what breaks his. And also, in everything I say and do, I want to glorify him. And he has been so faithful 
And now I'm going to fast forward to now, where I am now. And I live in a over 55 community, and I have so many beautiful friends, and the area is just wide open for me to be a seed sower. And he has blessed me tremendously, and he gave me actually a physical plant to sow. Jesus Calling, this beautiful devotional, he has led me to so many hurting people. When you're in an over community, over 55 community, things happen. Death of a spouse, terrible sickness, family problems. So many things can happen in my winter of my life. And he has blessed me with the privilege of giving these books out to my people. When they lose a mate, I go over and I cry with them. And I can say to them, I know your pain because I've been there. I know the pain of sickness because I've been there. And when I give them this word of God that I know, like John says, will not come back void, and I pray over each one I give out, and I'm so very, very thankful for the ministry that he has me in now. And Adam, you don't know this, but Thursday I had a visitor at my house, a friend of mine, and you called me on the phone and asked me if I would share what the Lord is doing in my life. When I hung up the phone, she said, you look very, very happy. And I said, well, I sure am. And there was a door open. And I had the wonderful opportunity, once again, of sharing what Jesus has done in my life, what he is doing. And I am just so grateful. And of course, she walked out with one of these in her hand. And right now, I am ready to order my fourth case of these books. And I just thank Jesus for this beautiful opportunity. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. So Kate turns up in people's ordinary everyday life and points to Jesus. Uh, when Jesus was ministering on the earth, he described what he was doing as signs. He didn't necessarily call them miracles, he called them signs. And a sign points somewhere. You'll drive down a road and you'll see Boston 22 miles. The sign in itself isn't Boston, it's pointing in the direction thereof. And Jesus said, what I'm doing are signs. In many ways, we are being asked to be signs. We can't save anyone. We can't fix them. But we can point in the direction of Jesus, who can. And Kate's a fantastic example of a sign in that context. So we honor the way you point people to Jesus and turn up. That's absolutely wonderful. I want to look at how do we do this. I want to help people. My I love celebrating 
these moments, but I want to help us all to do this. Uh, I had the privilege this week of meeting with someone who a few weeks ago made this decision to follow Jesus, and I've been meeting with this person and talking about what that looks like and praying and asking questions and hearing the questions, helping people grow. It's ordinary. It's normal. It happened over lunch. I eat lunch most days. It's not that hard. I can do that. This is meant to be normal. I want us to see, how do we do this? How do we help each other? I want to give you something. I'm going to ask Kara to give this out now. This is a small, short card. I'm going to explain this, and then I'm going to do a little bit of Q&A with my friend Luke. Uh, This card says some good news on one side, and on the other side, it's got a prayer. We're going to look at the some good news section. And while Luke's given that out, I'll tell a second half of a story, and I forgot the first half, and then it came back. About two months ago, I met somebody while I was swimming and had a conversation with him where he was struggling with regret. He had a young child, and he encouraged the child to to, to get in the pool, and he said, if you don't, you might regret it, and regret's hard to live with. When he said that, I thought, oh, that's deep advice for a kid learning to swim. And I asked him if he has some regrets, and he told me about his life and how life had been hard, and he had lots of struggles and lots of things that he was regretting. And I simply said to him, I will pray for you that Jesus reveals himself to you and changes your life. He said, yeah, I like that idea. My life's lousy. So I prayed for him. I then forgot that I prayed for him and forgot the guy's name. And this week, I bumped into him again. He came up to me, all chirpy and smiley, shook my hand and said, do you remember me? And I said, kind of. (laughs) Uh, This is really nice of saying, I don't know if I do. He said, I was the person that had some regrets and you prayed that things would improve. He said, I don't know what you prayed, but it worked. He said, everything's changed. I've got a job. I've met someone. I'm happy. I'm in love. He said, everything's different. I said, do you know why that is? He said, no, not really. I said, because we prayed that Jesus would reveal himself to you and that your life would change. And I'm saying this, and I'm actually quite surprised. Now, I've got to say something. I shouldn't be surprised that God does good things beyond my understanding, but it still always wows me when it happens. And I think simply cooking it down, we just need to be the faithful signpost that says there is a God and he's good and he likes you. And just sometimes pray simple prayers that God will reveal himself to you. Now some people say, Adam, it's very easy for you to say that. What does it mean? What does it look like? What is the gospel? What is the good news? Very simply, I'm going to give you this to take away. This is the best attempt at seven bullet points that explain the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And the reason I've cooked it down is because I want to make it simple for all of us to understand there's far more to it. It's a much bigger story than this. To quote the name of the film project, it's just a glimpse. But a glimpse triggers something that makes us want more. So how do we explain the good news of Jesus? The first one is that people, all people, were made in God's image, and he loves them. Everyone is included. And that God has a plan for our lives, and it's a good plan. It's a good plan. And that Jesus is the way to that plan. This is not a self-help book. 
This is a person, and his name is Jesus, and in him is light. We live in a world that feels pretty dark. Jesus reveals himself as light in that world. And that we've all messed up. I don't care who you are. We've all messed up. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done. We all hoped that some of the things that we've thought about or acted on that no one would ever hear. We've all done that. Jesus in his mercy doesn't want to come and just tell us off and be angry. He wants to save us from that stuff. He wants to forgive us. He wants to wipe the slate clean. And that this is a new beginning. And it's a new beginning that brings life now and the hope of life next. That when this life ends, it isn't the end of the story. It's an eternal hope. And it's a new beginning that starts in this moment. The moment when we say, Jesus, I have messed up and I want I want you. Reveal yourself to me. It begins then. I have swiftly, in about two minutes, explained a whirlwind tour from the first book of the Bible to the last one that basically says God loves you. He always has, and Jesus is the way to put things right. It's good news. Uh, And somehow, if we can have those kind of conversations, we'll help people to meet Jesus and then grow in their faith. It's not just the meeting Jesus. It's the growing in their faith. And I had a conversation with Luke a few weeks ago, and Luke said, Adam, these stories are great, and I know that people like Kate does that, and I know that there's other people in the room, and these stories happen to them all the time, but for most of us, we've got questions. We don't know how to have these conversations, and what do we do if someone says this back? So I said, Luke, let's try something for a couple of minutes. We'll, we'll have some Q&A. I don't have all the answers, by the way, but I'm going to attempt some answers. Uh, so we're going to do a little Q&A. And then I'm going to pray for us and look at a passage in Corinthians. So this is Luke. Uh, I quite like Q&A, even though it was always a bit risky. So we didn't plan any of this. Luke said, let's go spontaneous. I said, oh, I like that. I hope I still do in a few minutes' time. Yes. So I think my first question, right? So I think what out of that conversation we had was Adam had shared a story. I believe it was at a car mechanic shop. Yeah. Um, and that you had this conversation. And for me, I was like, oh, I understand the like sharing the gospel piece and that part's easy for me. But how do you engage your car mechanic into even getting to the spot where you're sharing the gospel? Um, like, how do you even start that conversation before you even get into like, this is who Jesus is? Okay. So on our own, we can only do so much. These passage I looked at, Jesus said that he will fill us with his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. Uh, so sometimes I try and listen to that voice, and uh, I've been looking for a car for a while, and it wasn't much fun, and I had to go to a place, and my friend Mikey was taking me there, and I'd been there a few days earlier, and met a salesperson who's struggling with a car shortage, because he, he said to me, uh, I'm paid for selling cars, and we normally have 150. I've currently got two. And I thought, oh, wow, if you're paid for selling cars, you've only got two, and you normally have 150. This guy's not having a good time. And as we went back there the second time, I felt the Holy Spirit say, he's not having a good time. Go and talk to him about Jesus. So there was something inside of me that I would say is the Holy Spirit. So I said to him, hey, how you doing? Knowing the answer was terrible. And he said, I'm doing terrible. I've got no cars for sale. I get paid for selling cars. I said, well, why don't I pray for you? Uh, I believe that God hears our prayers. 
and that Jesus steps in in unusual situations, why don't I pray that Jesus helps you and shows you his goodness? And the guy's like, sure, I'll try anything. Sell a car. Let's give that a go. So that was, that was this nudge that made me say, why don't we see if Jesus can help you sell some cars? I believe that there still is a worldwide chip shortage. But maybe there is a car salesman in Fall River who's bucking the trend because God's turned up in his world. I hope so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like that level of risk that you were talking about, right? There's a risk that he says no. Um, and has that happened to you before, right? So I think we hear like the, sometimes in church we hear the, the good stories, yes. but have you had awkward conversations before? Yes, yeah, I have. Uh, but here's something that surprises me. I expected the awkward conversations or the go away you crazy person to be far higher percentage. Actually, they're really quite rare. They're really quite unusual. It's probably less than one in ten. And, and it can feel awkward and it can feel embarrassing. But Jesus said this, when you do the things I've asked you to do, at times it's going to lead to you being persecuted. And he told stories of people following him being really badly persecuted. I have to say, feeling slightly awkward or embarrassed is not the same as persecution. So we need to get over ourselves for the sake of having a little bit of faith and willingness because feeling embarrassed is not the same as being persecuted. And it's rare anyway. Yeah, so I think that's a little bit of like talking about this to a stranger, right? But I think some of us, maybe we've had people in our lives for 10, 15, 20 30 years, um, and we want to have a conversation with those people, and that feels like a, a deeper risk, right? Like, there's, like, relational components there. Um, you might know part of their story. So how do you have, what's different in the conversation with someone that you've known for a long time versus someone that you meet at the car dealership? Uh, yeah, it, it is different. It, it is different, and I think I've learned that there are different uh, ways to respect the conversation. It always needs to begin with a conversation. Jesus didn't ask us to be his salespeople. He asked us to be a sign that points to him. Uh, so when you know someone, the hope is that the life that I've lived is in itself a signpost that points to Jesus. So I'm hoping that there is something of the integrity of the way we've lived our lives that points to Jesus. And then the willingness of words. So I've got friends that will watch some of the glimpse films but won't tell me they're watching them. But I know that they are. Uh, and every now and then they'll say something and I'll be like, oh, you paid attention. That's okay. As I said earlier, I don't really mind how it goes as long as something gets through. Uh, but I will have different conversations, often uh, listening and often in a life example of, you know, we believe this, I believe this. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, my last question, I think. Um, so, I think someone that obviously didn't grow up here, I think for me growing up here, I'm like, oh, everyone's closed off to wanting to know more about God, right? Um, and as someone that didn't grow up here coming into this space, what has been your uh, observations of New Englanders, of Massachusetts? 
in citizens, people. Okay, I've got to be nice, haven't I? Um, <laughs> it's interesting seeing a culture from a different lens. I now see things in England that I didn't see when I visit. I'm like, oh, wow, why are you doing that? Uh, I think on the conversation of faith and helping people meet Jesus and follow Jesus, I think that there is an expectation here that it's going to be really hard. And maybe that's because there are other parts of the United States where church attendance is much higher and more people would nod at the idea of following Jesus. And that's created a scenario where people here believe that it's going to be hard. I think if you believe that, you may be believing a lie. And the danger of believing something that's not true is you then live in the restriction of that box that isn't actually true. So Jesus said the fields are ripe for harvest, which means there is an openness and a fruitfulness of opportunity. And I think sometimes, and I see it in this New England area, the church is saying, no, Jesus, you're wrong. Jesus isn't wrong. We've got it wrong. The fields are ripe for harvest, but we've protected ourselves by making excuses as to why we can't and they can't when actually we can and they can. So my experience is the fields here are ripe for harvest. And if someone tells me again it's the frozen chosen and they're not, I'm just so uninterested in that conversation. Because uh, I think uh, it's not only not true, but the restriction that it brings is, uh, is absolutely crippling on the effectiveness of the church in this area. Okay, I lied. I have one more. Um, so I think we're, each of us have different spiritual gifts, right? And God gives us different gifts. So does this conversation look the same for everybody? Or does it look different for no, some people? No, it, it, needs to, it needs to be different. Uh, you may have had a moment where you liked a certain musician, and then you hear other singers try and sing like that musician. It doesn't work. Don't do that. I can't have these conversations like I'm looking now. I can't have these conversations like Sharon will have them this week. And she'll have a different conversation to the way Jeff will have them and um, Bill and someone else. We, we've got to be ourselves. This is who God made us to be. And we're going to find ourselves in different places. I uh, don't yet live in an over 55 community. One day maybe I will. Wherever you are, Jesus is saying wherever you are, whoever you are, point people to Jesus and then help them to know him and follow him. Uh, so the reason why we're trying to put a few different resources, like some cards that include a prayer so you could have a conversation and lead someone to Jesus, that's one way. Or an alpha course over a dinner, that's one way. Or a glimpse film that you share on social media, that's another way. We need many different ways, uh, and I want to celebrate all the, the gifts and the diversity in the room. Don't try and do what I do. That's a crazy idea, and I'm not going to try and do what you do. But at the same time, let's listen and learn together, because that's when community works. Yeah, I think those are my questions. Do you want to see if anybody else here has a question? I don't mind. Anybody have a question? And then we're going to end with this passage. Hold on, I'm going to run the mic to you. How do I approach it with my neighbors? Yeah, how do you approach it with your neighbors? Uh, I know you're new into the... So when we lived in an apartment... 
we didn't see anyone for the first few months because it was winter and it was cold and we were in these small apartments. And then in spring and summer that first year, we started sitting outside and we started to meet people. And Sarah got this small table and we put some fruit on it for anyone that walked past and the kids would ride bikes. And then we would invite the kids to have pizzas together and we just did life. We wanted to build community uh, and then say this is who we are and this is what we believe and this is why we believe it. So that's what we did in the apartments. We moved to a house last summer and every house is about half an acre apart and it's considerably different to the apartments where it was much easier to connect the community. Uh, but there is a, a Facebook page for the street so uh, every now and then we'll invite people to Easter services and Christmas services and uh, at the moment, we're being known in the street as the family that exercised the dog by riding on skateboards and longboards. So um, I'm getting known as the 40-year-old guy on the longboard with the, with the dog. And I'm just meeting people and saying, this is who I am and this is what I believe. And this is what I think it could mean to you. So I, I, as normal as possible. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay, thanks Luke. I want to close by reading a passage and then I want to pray for some people. We're going to put this passage on the screen. This is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 to 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Paul, like many of us, uh, had a past that we would rather forget experience Jesus and it changed his life and he went everywhere trying to help people hear the good news and then help them follow Jesus and grow in their faith 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 5 says this when I came to you I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is not a message for the qualified or the extroverts or the experts. This is a message for the willing Jesus found his followers and said, I want you to have more faith than you've had. I want you to be willing. He's not saying, I want you to be eloquent. I want you to be an expert. I want you to advance in this. He's saying, I just want you to have some faith and believe and do the things I've asked you to do. And Paul, who could have argued that he was an expert, says, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. I just want to be willing. So my hope for us as a church is not that we'll be experts. We might try things and some of them work and some of them don't work. That's okay as long as we try things. If you invite people to Alpha and they don't know, they don't come, well done for inviting them. I want to celebrate the willingness, not the end result. If you share your faith or send a video to someone, hey, I saw this video, I thought it might relate to you, and they don't like it, that's okay. May we be found willing because it was never meant to be about us, our eloquence, our words. It's about our faithfulness. 
So as a church, for those of us that follow Jesus, may we be willing. May we be the ones where Jesus finds us with faith. And it may be a small level of faith. That's okay. Start with what you've got. Let's pray. Close your eyes if you can. I do want to pray. I'm speaking like we're all on the same page. And we may not all be on the same page. There may be people here that are thinking, I don't know what I believe. That's okay. You're in good company. When Jesus appeared, some people believed instantly. Some people, it took a while. Some people had questions. All of those people were welcome around Jesus. But he does invite you today to make a choice. If you're sat there and like that card I gave you, you recognize that you've done things that you know you should have done, which we've all done, then there is an opportunity today to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to start fresh. Or for some, Jesus, I need to start a beginning now. If that's you, I want you to pray, Jesus, come into me and forgive me. I want to start fresh. I want to know you, not just know about you. Bring your questions, bring your doubts, bring your hurts. Jesus wants to help you. He wants to heal you. Jesus, we come to you and we invite you in. And then for the rest of us, why don't we stand? For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that as we are symbolically standing, Lord, that we would go. Lord, that this good news begins with people being sent. Lord, may we go. Lord, may we not just keep this message to ourselves, but may this message move from us to those around us. Lord, may we go into our week, into our places where we find ourselves. Lord, I pray that you do extraordinary things in our very ordinary lives. Lord, bless us as the people on the earth now trying to follow you. Lord, may we be faithful followers and obedient to the things that you've asked us to do. Lord, fill your church with the fullness of your Holy Spirit so that it wouldn't be our eloquence, our words, but it would be the Holy Spirit's power. Lord, surprise us even this week, I pray. Amen. Amen. That's it. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.